Marcus Paul, almost a public figure. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Right across Australia. On the iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio apps. The biggest issues. The biggest guess. Marcus Paul in the morning starts now. Okay, we've made it, yep, to the final day of March. A bloody wet month, in fact, the wettest March on record. Uh, I think we have to look back to the 1880s to find a wetter March. Anyway, uh, nice to have your company this morning. Plenty on. We'll get through all the big stories. We'll update you with the news as it happens, thanks to Air News. And uh, my takes on some of the big stories. Uh, Some budget feedback. What on earth is the Prime Minister on uh, when he says that, oh, well, a quick way for young people to get into the housing market is simply to buy a house. Don't worry about renting. Okay, out of touch or what? Anyway, what was in the federal budget for young Australians? Sweet FA, I'm led to believe. Anyway, I'll share uh, an article that was written by a youth editor for News Limited. Uh, A very important piece, I think, for everybody to hear. I'll do that. Sir Khan. Yep, Sir Khan. Ozturk from True Crime News Weekly. He'll be my guest this morning on the program. Uh, We'll just chat about a whole range of things. I want to find out his take on uh, the whole Hollywood kerfuffle, you know, with the the Smiths and and the like, uh, following the, uh, the slap that was heard around the globe, apparently. I wish they'd stop showing it. I'm bloody over it now. Anyway, uh, so Carm will join us, give us his take on some of the uh, the latest news uh, and, uh, of course, update us on what you can read in uh, their publication, uh, their independent, wonderful publication, True Crime News Weekly. Some wonderful stories coming up as well. So that's all on the way. Some great music as well. Don't forget, you can send your feedback to me. Uh, Please continue. Uh, I love reading your comments on the Facebook page. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, that's the way to leave your thoughts and your comments. Look, I don't mention them all the time, but occasionally I do. And if you want to send me a direct email, you can do that as well. Marcus.Paul at starterfm.com.au So let's get into it this Thursday morning. It's nice to have you come. Okay, welcome back. Nice to have your company on this Thursday. Look, I hope you're keeping dry, but those poor people up there in the north of New South Wales, the northern rivers, can't take a trick, can they? We had uh, the Lismore levee overflow again. I mean, these people were evacuated, then they were told it was safe to return to their homes, and then they were evacuated again. And at Byron Bay, the main street was underwater. Some 55 rescues in floodwaters as the SES and the state government were left to defend themselves after a broken flood siren in Lismore uh, failed to work. Uh, Look, the SES say that it wouldn't have made any difference. Locals have described it as a bit of a shit fight. (laughs) Yeah, well, I understand Well, I guess I can try and understand what they're going through. I mean, a major flood again. Lismore residents have complained that the SES should not have told people it was safe to return home before then evacuating people again early yesterday morning. 
There have also been questions about why the flood gauges and evacuation siren did not work. SES Acting Commissioner Daniel Austin said the Wilsons River was receding when the initial evacuation order was lifted and eased further after that. Uh, Now, what he did say was what we saw was flash flooding, which is very different to riverine flooding, and whether those gauges were working at that time would have made no difference to the impact of the severe rainfall event that occurred over the CBD in Lismore. Look, I don't know. Uh, Blunders, sirens broken, inaccessible evacuation centres, shattered residents have criticised emergency authorities over a string of shocking blunders that they say put lives at risk as floods engulf the northern rivers for the second time in a month. Look, it was only three weeks ago that the poor people of Lismore were completely devastated by unprecedented flooding. But when the waters began to rise again, uh, not last night, the night before, sirens indicating the levee at overtop did not sound due to a malfunction. Gee, you'd think in light of what's happened there in the last month, you'd ensure with a, a weather warning in place and we knew that there was going to be more of this rain, you know, you'd think you'd have these sorts of things under control and working in good working order. I would have thought so. Anyway, the New South Wales SES did not send out social media messaging about the gravely urgent conditions until 40 minutes after the levee flooded. In the middle of the night on Wednesday, residents in the Lismore CBD, parts of East Lismore and Gerrards Hill were also ordered to evacuate due to new predictions the levee would flood less than 12 hours after they were assured it was entirely safe to return home. Rain gauges around Lismore were found to be off by almost half a metre when state emergency service personnel performed manual checks on Wednesday morning. SES Lismore posted on social media there was a 400mm difference between the countdown display on the Browns Creek pump station and the actual water level. What it means If the levee overtops, the display will still be showing 0.4 metres remaining, even as the water commences flowing over the levee. Anyway, all this came as police appealed for public help in the search for a woman who unfortunately has gone missing in floodwaters. Uh, She's been missing, apparently, since around 10pm on Tuesday night. Emergency crews began searching near Wairala Road, just south of Lismore, in a suburb called Model Tree. Uh, They received reports that this woman was trapped in her car in the floodwaters. Now, police spent several hours searching for the woman on Tuesday night and also yesterday. Um, uh, They have not found her still, that's the latest I've heard, despite recommencing the search in the early hours of of yesterday morning. Police are calling on anyone who may have seen a 2017 White Holden Captiva station wagon with New South Wales registration YHS51F in the Greater Lismore area to contact police immediately. Meanwhile, elsewhere in Ballina, residents never received evacuation orders 
and those who wanted to leave voluntarily could not access evacuation centres due to already being flooded in. Residents in both Byron Bay and Ballina instead yesterday morning woke up to discover water lapping at their doors if it was not already inside their homes. It has left Lismore locals scratching their heads as to how predictions could have been so wrong as emergency services scrambled. Many telling media it was confusing. There we go. Look, I feel for them. I really, really do. If you want to have your say on that, send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Okay, welcome back. Now, the big wet continues as the state of New South Wales grapples with more heavy rain, floods and strong winds. Long-term forecasts suggest there will be little reprieve from wet weather for the state over the coming months. As the month draws to a close today, Sydney has recorded its wettest March, breaking previous records dating back to, you ready for it, 1859. The city clocked 537 millimetres of rain for the month as of 11am yesterday, marking it the wettest March with 42 hours or so to spare. It's also the sixth wettest month on record for Sydney. The second wettest March was in 1942 when 521.4 mil fell at Sydney Observatory Hill followed by 474.6 millimetres in 1870. We've got to go that far back. Now, according to Weather Zone, um, that before last year, June had typically been Sydney's wettest month on average. But extreme weather events this March and last resulted in incredibly wet conditions which had shifted the long-term average to now make this month the wettest of the year. It shifted the climatology of Sydney long-term, according to the Weather Bureau. Well, I don't know about you, but I've kind of had enough of it, haven't you? I mean, to put it all into perspective, Sydney has just recorded its wettest march in history, with 527.4 millimetres so far. Both Byron Bay and Ballina Airport recorded 282 millimetres in a 24-hour period. The wet weather looks set to linger until later this year as trade winds are still stronger than average in the Western Pacific, delaying the weakening of the weather system. The latest climate outlook for April to June shows that rainfall will be above the median for much of the north and east coast of Australia. Wow. Modelling by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration shows a third La Nina, or a neutral phase, could be possible next summer. Both the El Nino and La Nina are ends of a weather spectrum, while neutral is in the middle of the two. Oh dear, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, Surely, surely, we're not going to get another La Nina next summer. I mean, it's good that we don't get the bushfires, but we could also do without the floods, of course. Marcus Paul in the morning. What sort of weather are you getting at your place? Let me know. 
Uh, you can leave your comments on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning on Facebook, or send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. I think we'll leave that uh, weather there in just a couple of moments. Some of the feedback on Tuesday night's federal budget. I'll get stuck into that for you very soon. My special guest on the program uh, as well this morning, Sir Khan. We'll catch up with him. He's got an interesting take on the whole Will Smith, Jada Pinkett, Chris Rock thing at the Oscars the other night. So I'll hear from Sir Khan and he'll let us know what they're up to at, at True Crime News Weekly. I look forward to our chat each and every week. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have your company on the final day of a, a very wet March 2022. All right, I, I did a double take when I saw this headline yesterday. Scott Morrison says renters should buy a house if they want rent relief. <laughs> yep, the Prime Minister is, has a controversial proposal for renters who are struggling with rising cost of living. Dear, oh dearie me. Anyway, Simon says from the mob that brought us poor people don't drive cars and just get a better job. (laughs) I put a uh, uh, a screenshot of that story up on the Facebook page yesterday, Marcus Paul in the morning, and it got what it deserved. Many of you very unhappy. Anyway, I refer to uh, this opinion piece that appeared yesterday by Cassia Burns, who's the youth editor at news.com.au and she's right she says Scott Morrison's budget doesn't care about young people the Prime Minister was splashing cash around to millions of Aussies in his last ditch attempt to be re-elected but he forgot one key group and that is young Australians so Cassia writes, if you are still waiting for a sign that Scott Morrison's government doesn't care about young Australians, yesterday's budget announcement was it, uh, being Tuesday. Now, young people in this country are facing an unprecedented struggle with fast rising cost of living, with wages that aren't increasing at anywhere near the same rate. That's not an opinion, that's a well-documented fact. According to the ABS, Wages increased by 2.3% in the last 12 months, compared to cost of living, which went up by 3.5% in the same time frame. But it's private schools and high-income earners that are set to gain even more from this budget. Australia Institute's chief economist, Richard Dennis, excuse me, he said... The Prime Minister clearly thinks that the federal election in May will be decided by voters who are older than average, richer than average, and more likely to live in regional Australia than average. As a result of that cynical calculus, he has aimed an enormous amount of our money at his target voters while doing little to address the major concerns of young people. To be fair, there are some good things like more money going into a woman's health package, more money for apprentice tradies, billions for flood-affected areas and more money going toward mental health. While the past few years have been tough for everybody, stats from Finder show that COVID just made an already bad situation worse for young Australians. Almost two in five Gen Z and a huge 41% of Gen Y say they struggle to pay their rents or home loan repayments. 
That's almost almost two in five. That's compared to 23% of baby boomers feeling the same way. Now, earlier this year in February, the amount that Gen Z were able to save went down by 30% since the same time last year. For Gen Y, their average savings went down from $1,089 to just $592 in the same time period. That's a decrease of nearly 50%, 46 in fact. It's a situation that isn't about to get any better for those if you're starting out in your career and you're not in a trade. If you're dreaming of one day buying a home, if you care about the environment or, heaven forbid, if you find yourself unemployed or in need of welfare. Low-income earners. Well, basically, you don't get much. While there are a couple of single payments, like a a one-off tax cut of up to $1,500 for people who earn less than $126,000 a year and a $250 payment to welfare recipients, there are no immediate plans to increase minimum wages, which is the key point in cost of living struggles faced by young Australians. If you're unemployed and in need of welfare payments, There has also been no change to job seeker payments despite inflation of everything else. So yes, it'll get harder to buy necessities. Meanwhile, people earning over $200,000 a year will soon receive ongoing tax cuts of $9,000 or more. Education. While there was in fact a record funding for schools in the new budget, the majority is going to private schools. Yep. The government will provide $180 billion for education over the next four years, but $167.3 million of that will be going to private schools due to increased student enrolments. I think I said $180 billion. I meant to say $180 million in total. First home buyers. Well, dear, where do we start? Yep, there are double the amount of places for the Home Guarantee Scheme, which does help first-home buyers by allowing them to purchase a home with a smaller deposit down to 5%. However, nothing has actually been done about skyrocketing house prices, so it's still unlikely that young people will be able to pay off the rest. And finally, uh, for young people and those like me, not so young, but Certainly, someone who gives a damn about the environment. What was in the budget for the environment? Climate change. Sweet FA. Scott Morrison has already uh, faced plenty of criticism about climate change after Australia's unbelievably poor performance at COP26. There is increased funding for the Great Barrier Reef koalas and recycling, which are all good things but also ultimately useless, while they also refuse to invest in genuinely green energy. Instead, they'll put money into outdated technology, the effectiveness of which is very much questioned by the wider scientific community. On that note, despite rising petrol prices reigniting the conversation about electric cars, they won't even mention it all in the budget. They've halved taxes on fuel to lower petrol prices, but that'll only last for six months, so basically the planet and your wallet will lose. And, as Carissa writes in her piece, and I agree, 
Scott Morrison has clearly decided that young people either don't care or don't matter in this upcoming election. Well, now it's time to say goodbye to Scott and Jenny too, because they're Pentecostal, they both never had a clue. Religion in Australia should never run the show. Scotty Morrison, the marketeer, has got to go. Straight to China. As far as I'm concerned, he's done more harm to Australia than Germany and Japan combined. And don't you ever come back here. Can you stay up for yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have your company on this Thursday. Look, I hope you're staying dry. The corruption inquiry into former New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian's conduct in office has agreed to give participants more time to make submissions. So there's a new twist in Gladys Berejiklian's ICAC corruption inquiry. Uh, the watchdog yesterday gave an update on its investigation into the former New South Wales Premier and now high flyer with Optus. The Independent Commission Against Corruption issued an update on its website yesterday afternoon saying, quote, certain parties, unquote, had requested an extension, which was granted. Those submissions were previously due on Monday, that's next Monday, but will now be accepted by May the 9th. Now, the Commission wrote the submissions of council assisting were provided to relevant persons or their legal reps on the 15th of February 2022. All submissions in response to the submissions of council assisting were to be provided to the Commission by the 28th of March. Some parties requested and were granted an extension of time in which to make their submissions. All right, well, there we go. The update also said submissions would be subject to suppression orders. An independent commission against corruption spokeswoman would not say who the parties were or why the decision was made. Anyway, Operation Keppel, as we know, was launched in 2020 to probe the dealings of former Wagga MP Daryl Maguire and was extended to investigate Miss Berejiklian as well after it was revealed the two carried on a secret relationship. Now, um, the ICAC, as we know, continues to investigate whether Miss Berejiklian breached the public's trust in the course of her tryst with Mr Maguire. She denied all wrongdoing when she testified before the Commission last year, as we know, that was very public. Mr Maguire previously agreed with suggestions by the Council assisting he misused his parliamentary position for personal gain. Now, Ms Berejiklian was the New South Wales Premier from 2017 until October last year, when she sensationally resigned following the ICAC's announcement it would be investigating her. Later that month, Ms Berejiklian took to the witness box at the Commission and responded, of course, to a series of detailed questions about her relationship with Mr Maguire. Gee, that was fun that week. The allegations put to her included that Ms Berejiklian failed to report Mr Maguire's allegedly corrupt behaviour to authorities, that she, quote, encouraged, unquote, that behaviour by remaining silent, and that she had a conflict of interest when she used her power as Treasurer and Premier to deal with money requests by the MP, who was a pain in the ass. The commission was, that's, I've made that last bit up, but he certainly was. The commission was played, recorded phone calls between Miss Berejiklian and Mr Maguire, where she was heard vowing to, quote, throw money at his electorate after he retired from politics. 
The Independent Commission Against Corruption also heard from other New South Wales ministers and staffers in Gladys's office. ICAC investigations generally take years to wrap up and the Commission has given no indication on how long it will take before it publishes its findings from Operation Kebble. As we say, watch this space. Marcus Paul in the morning, nice to have you come. Right, that time of the week where we catch up with Sir Khan from True Crime News Weekly. Uh, weekly? Weekly? Hello, mate. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. I'm doing well. Hope you're doing well as well as all our listeners out there. Yeah, I'm okay. Uh, not bad. I, I'm just sick of the rain. Although, mind you, you know, we uh, we haven't had it as bad down here in the Emerald City as what our, our friends have up there in the Northern Rivers. Can you believe, uh, you know, twice in a month, the main oh. street of Lismore just completely underwater. And oh. Even in Byron Bay this time around. Oh, mate. We, like my mum and dad used to run a burger shop kebab joint on the main street of Byron Bay. Really? That's now underwater, mate. Yeah, oh, mate. Oh, dear. Oh, but, dear. So we, we're not there anymore, but my mum and dad were there for a good few years. Bay Burgers was called. Now it's a Esprit store or a, a sports girl or something, you know, right. gentrification. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but, but yeah, it's really sad, Marcus, uh, what's going on with the is. floods. And it's a political problem too. We know this is climate change. Look at the mm. budget this week, Marcus. Nothing for renewable energy. Well, nothing, nothing for, for young change. people. I, I just did nothing. a I just did a whole segment on that. Nothing at all for young people. Um, okay, there was a slight increase, uh, you know, and we. Uh, but they're going to get a payment of two hundred and fifty bucks. It'll help with cost of living, and if you if you're lucky enough to have a car. You know, you'll get twenty-two cents off a litre because the government's going to halve the the fuel excise. But yes. nothing at all. No, I mean nothing. Uh, why can't we have some sort of universal basic wage whereby we allow those that are looking for work to yes. be, uh, you know, to be sitting at least level with the poverty line? <laughs> Yeah, we don't. Well, it's, it, it's it's something that really needs to be considered. Like we we won't talk too much about the budget, but it is in the news, so we will mention something. Look, I I work in we work in the media arts field. I'm also a small business owner, as you know, Marcus. We run our media company. Yeah. As I run as a sole director to PTYLTD. But there's nothing much in for small business either. If you look through the fine print, there's a few extra little things. Yeah. But there's like they really have favoured their kind of the Liberal Party, who they think will vote for Liberals and have been kind of a bit aghast about their management over the last year or two and all the rape crises and whatnot. But they're trying to just get their heartland back on side. And there's nothing in it, as you said, for young people. And there's nothing in the budget for, as I said, as a small business owner, they're putting, they're giving us a little bit extra tax back on our cloud subscriptions and getting with the tech times. <laughs> half the half the companies in Australia have already done this for the last few years. Like, you know, yeah. we're going to pay you something if you get on the cloud. Well, half the companies are already on the cloud, if not more. So it's all a bit, li- bit too little, too late for me, Marcus. Well, uh, I think so. And even if he does uh, get a few of the faithful back um on uh, you know on favor in favor uh, it's it's too late it's done he's yep. gone he's hooked and that's the end of it um and now uh we're going to have to see anthony albanese i imagine we're going to have to see anthony albanese and, and labor at a federal level uh, try and clean up some of the mess and it'll take a long time they're all lining up to beat him up uh, <laughs> what about uh, that liberal senator uh, conchetta yeah. yes she called scott morrison look this is interesting she called scott morrison you know a bully and an autocrat someone who doesn't negotiate someone who tries to just bully to get their way yeah. and he's a danger he's basically a dangerous politician we wrote about this 
in true crime news weekly like four or five years ago as soon as they installed <laughs> scott morrison look we, we talked to a guy who knew scott morrison at university when he started his journey in the liberal party politics hierarchy mm. and this guy was the liberal party president at sydney uni at the time and we published his story as soon as scott morrison became prime minister right. i knew scott i knew the headline was marcus i knew scott morrison at uni, and he was a dickhead. And everything, <laughs> everything Miss Fiavranti Wells talked about in Parliament under Parliament privilege. We wrote about as media just four or five years ago in True yeah. Crime News Weekly. Well, it was a big article, and so we agree. But we said it years ago, Marcus. So, like, why are they saying it now? She's losing her position on the uh, pre-selection Senate. Something. Well, that's right. Yeah, she's, she's, she's a, having a sook. Well, she's basically, a sook. she's in a, a no-win position, and that's it for her. And I've noticed that uh, Pauline Hanson has also accused Scott Morrison of bullying her, <laughs> saying she backed up claims raised by the outgoing Liberal Senator Conchetta Fiaventi Wells. Anyway, we've gotten on to politics for some unknown reason. Speaking of bullies, what about Will Smith? Uh, oh. Mate, I think, you know, here's my take and then I'll get yours. He okay. would have been far better off grabbing his wife's hand, getting up out of his seat and just walking out of the joint rather than going up and assaulting mm. somebody. That would have, I think that would have made a, a far stronger statement than what he actually did uh, because by the time it came to, you know, best... Uh, actor Oscar, actor, he wouldn't yeah. have been there. That's what he yes. should have done, just up and left. But no, what do you make of it all? Well, we, we did publish an article about this. As our satirist, resident satirist Kieran Butler, wrote a bit of a hot take, as yeah. a, you know, a million hot takes were be, be, being written and published all over the world about, you know, Will Smith giving a, a, a slap to Chris Rock there oh, for a absolutely. joke he didn't like. But the, look, there's a lot of complexity here, Mark, because you've got to break it all down on a number of factors here. Like, Kieran had a bit of a piss take saying, you know, we got to bring dueling back. And because, you know, <laughs> it may, make it official. Make it official. If someone, you, you haven't got satisfaction from someone, they've demeaned you or your wife or your, your family, yeah. you, you make it official, duel, and at public time, you all go and slap each other in a fair way. <laughs> but if you look at it closely, Marcus, Will Smith was laughing at the original joke. Then, obviously, he's seen that uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, his wife, isn't so enamored with the joke and has then thought he's obviously so amped up on the night. He's thinking in his head, he's an actor. So he's visualizing what's going to happen on the night. He's thinking he's going to get best actor. Everyone's going to be loving him. There's adulation. Yeah. He, in, in the script, he doesn't picture that, um, his wife's going to be a butt of a joke. And then his wife's going to get angry and give him a bit of a scowly look. Right. And so then he's got really amped up and he's done something which you can tell I don't know, was he on something or was it just natural? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. Look, that doesn't matter, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's assault. It was, he's, damn it was, lucky, yeah. he's damn lucky that uh, it was Chris Rock that he hit and not somebody else because they could press charges and then he'd be in, uh, in <sighs> a lot of problems. Well, Chris Rock apparently refused to press charges. Yes, There's jokes yes. that Mike Tyson may be next year's Oscars <laughs> host. Um, but with the Will Smith, with the, look, there's a lot of underlying things where the public may not be privy to. Like at True Crime News Weekly, as you and I discuss sometimes off air, we're sometimes privy to things which we don't quite publish, right? Mm -hmm. And I think with this Will Smith-Chris Rock thing, there might be something under the uh, water, the bridge here, where something may have happened in the past, and this was the final straw in Will Smith's head, you know, it set him off. And as a public, we're not privy to that. We, look, well, there's I also mean, Chris issues. Rock, though, has uh, has joked about his wife previously. I did uh, mm. I did a little research and saw a couple of stories on that. So maybe there is a little yes. bad blood there, but that still doesn't. Yes. It still it, it, doesn't. It, it, 
excuse what he did. I, I don't but he, no, I agree with you, Marcus. I'm going to come up to my most controversial point about this. And oh, here this we might go. Put this, this, because we are True Crime News Weekly. We deal in controversy and scandal. I think the most scandalous, controversial aspect of all this, Chris Smith, uh, Will Smith, Chris Smith, Chris Smith. Oh, he's, on, he's on Sky News, isn't he? He's a fossil. Uh, <laughs> this Will Smith, this Will Smith, Chris Rock uh, hoopla. The interesting thing is Will Smith and his family are big Scientologists. They even paid money to uh, start up a Scientology What's school in Los Angeles. What's that got to do Angeles. with the price of because, fish? Because part of the Scientology teaching is if someone demeans you in public, you have to give them a good whacking. Really? Yes. Yes. Okay. It's, that's... Why, Tom Cruise, it's why Tom Cruise is always so hyped up. He went oh, manic on that COVID thing. Yeah, and so he, was going, he looked like that Thai member. He looked like he was going to jump out of a chair and punch yes. the shit out of Peter Overton. Yes, <laughs> yes. Put your manners because, back in. So, so I think we all have to kind of look at this aspect of this closely. And so I agree with you, Marcus. It was out of line. Yeah. It was completely out of line. Like as a, if I went up and did this at the Walkley Awards as a journalist, I think I'd be completely back, blacklisted from the Australian industry, right? Well, Will but Smith because- may well still be blacklisted yes. from future Oscars and he may lose it. I, look, I think that probably is a step too far. Yes. Uh, but he, he should face sanction. Oh, yeah. You can't – in a public thing where, where you're aware that millions are watching, you can't go just – physically assault no. someone. That's like – but as I'm saying, I think there's complexities here which the public <laughs> is not privy to. Look at the Scientology angle of this because oh, yeah. the teaching there is about you got to whack someone if they publicly <laughs> demean you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> all right. it's, all, it's all in all Ron Hubbard scriptures there. Get in there. Dianetics. It's, all, you know. <laughs> I think I'm having my back crack and sack waxed at that time, so I'll probably give it a miss. Listen, tell me, uh, what's, what's making news in true? Crime News Weekly this week. So yeah, so just last week we published our big feature on Ivan Malat, possibly involved in an unsolved 1974 yes. murder, and in Sydney. And now we've got another story coming up of a hitchhiker who escaped Ivan Malat in 1979. And so we're talking to the hitchhiker. His name's Rick. Yeah. And so we'll be publishing the story very soon on that. We also have a great historical true crime story about one of Australia's first probably queer modern queer icons. About an uh, untold, uh, unknown, very, very much a forgotten tale of. Uh, we don't know. We can't say what gender he, she, they may be. That's what the story is about. It's an early forerunner for queer culture in Australia about an okay. uh, incident in the, in the courts back in the 1880s, which is hilarious. But tra- <laughs> 1880s tragic. or 1980s? Yes. 1880s, oh, mate, and, it, and it's got so much, so much relevance to today's no, age that enough. it's, it's well, uh, once you see story, market, still so live you, in you, the story, Marcus. Well, it's about that. It's about it's about you know showing how far culture has come and maybe culture hasn't come and society hasn't come and it shows you some of the things in the past are so relevant to to our struggles today. And apart from that, that's a historical true crime story. We've also got a. On Friday, we'll be publishing a story about how Channel 9, along with a criminologist from uh, America, from Salt Lake City, of yeah. all places, has mm-hmm. apparently, and we put the questions to both Channel 9 and the criminologist, has apparently allegedly plagiarized the um, research of amateur sleuths here in Melbourne okay. um, looking at an unsolved uh crime, unsolved murder and uh, sexual assault case, an infamous one in the Mr. Cruel case in Melbourne. Okay. And they, they claim they've been unfairly plagiarised by this criminologist. And look, we've done the investigating and the digging. Our results will be up there on Friday on True Crime News Weekly. And it's a bit of a serious story again, but with a bit of, I guess, you know, you've got the absurdity mixed in there as well with these, you know, these amateur true crime nuts having their research ripped off from Google. Yeah. And then a, crim- a criminologist seemingly making money with it. Fair so, enough. Uh 
I look forward to reading that. Uh, where can people go for these wonderful stories and how can they subscribe and, and help you out there? Yep, every subscription helps, Marcus. It's truecrimenewsweekly.com. There's a subscribe tab there as well. Every story we publish has a subscribe option at the bottom too. Any, any help, we much appreciate it. We also got the Renegade Radio podcast on Spotify and Google and Apple. They'll be out again. The newest episode will be out in about a week. And so anything you can listen, True Crime News Weekly, Renegade Radio, Still listen to us on Marcus. Invite. Yeah, well, we'll give, we'll be well. You're going to be one of the guests. I'm actually drawing up a <laughs> guest on because I want to do some, you know, long length interviews about people with interesting stories and battles and All maybe good. controversies. Yep, yep. yep. So we'll, we'll definitely get you on in a few weeks, Marcus. Have a long, long chat. Like, like we'll drink a tea or two. Have a long chat about your life, <laughs> your battles, the media, what your true thoughts are about everything. You know. Uh, my true thoughts. No, I don't want to get in trouble. I... <laughs> All right, mate. Good to chat. We will talk again next week, so can't. You too, Marcus. Enjoy your day, mate. It's the last day of March. Marcus Paul in the morning on Starter FM, your favourite listening app, whether it's iHeartRadio. Tune in. And, of course, maybe you're listening to us uh, on the Prawncast, the podcast. Well, we couldn't do it without the support of uh, some wonderful sponsors and uh, the latest uh, mob that's helping me pay the, uh, the power bill, <laughs> our friends from the Alternative Board. So I want you to listen, particularly if you're a business owner. It is time to ask yourself a few important questions. As a business owner, you often start with a vision of what your business will allow you to achieve in your personal life. You know, you've got to get that balance right. The day-to-day -day realities of running your business takes over and you sometimes lose track of how your working life should be aligned with achieving your personal vision of success. Ask yourself the following questions. Are you ready to take your business to an entirely new level? Who's in control? You or your business? How are you at balancing your business and personal lives? Do you need help seeing the opportunities available to you? Do you feel like you're fighting fires all by your lonesome? And where do you turn to and who do you turn to for the truth about your business? Well, to help answer these and many other important questions, you need the expert advice available from the team at the Alternative Board. The Alternative Board helps forward-thinking businesses like yours increase profitability and improve their lives by leveraging local business advisory boards, private business coaching and proprietary strategic services. You really must speak to them today. So what are you waiting for? Call Greg and the team at the Alternative Board to learn more about their invitation-only membership model and how it may be able to help you with your business. Connect today. It is your business after all, so why wait? The Alternative Board is exactly what your business needs now. Get in touch with Greg, that's Greg Urand, for all the details. His number 0400-858-190. That's 0400-858-190. The Alternative Board, in fact, will have Greg on the show next week. I'll talk to him a little bit more about this. The Alternative Board, helping your business be all it can be. All right, well, that's it for me today. Thank God the voice held out. I was worried for a while there. Anyway, uh, a little less of the tonsils this morning and uh, maybe a little bit more music for you. My apologies. I'm still 
a little under the weather. But anyway, uh, it was nice catching up with Sir Khan. Uh, if you want to leave a, a, a from True Crime News Weekly, of course, and uh, don't forget to check out their wonderful stories today and over the weekend. Um, and if you're listening to us on the Prawncast, the podcast, uh, make sure you share it if you can. If that's something I would, wouldn't mind you doing. Uh, it might help us get some more ears. Yeah, just share it um, via whatever platform you're listening by. Um, okay, thank you. Appreciate it. That's it for me today. Um, back tomorrow for the final show of this week, a disrupted week. Um, and, and thank you for your patience putting up with the, uh, the croaky old voice today. Uh, on the improve, I hope, uh, by the weekend. Fingers crossed. Again, thank you to all those hard-working SES volunteers up there on the mid-north coast and on the northern rivers. Uh, remember, we can differentiate between the volunteers and, and I guess those that are leading them, uh, those in you know management roles within the state emergency service. Do you think that the uh, well, the criticism that I mentioned in the program and and what you've been hearing in the last 24, 48 hours after what's happened up there again uh, with a lack of warnings, a lack of sirens and all the rest of it. Do you think that criticism is warranted? Um, I noticed that the New South Wales Premier and, and others within the government say, well, well, you can't plan for these sorts of things. Yes, you can. Of course you can. You know, it all starts with actually taking climate change seriously. For fuck's sake. All right, well, that's it for me. Have a wonderful day. We will talk again tomorrow, 7 to 9, on starterfm.com.au and iHeartRadio and TuneIn app. And, of course, please don't forget to share the prawncast. Ciao. Catch you tomorrow. Bye now.